She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom who watched her kids and community decline during COVID school closures. She knew she had to speak up. No, no, no. We are the parents. You are not. You are assisting us in the education of our kids, but we are the parents. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar until the toxic politics of his kids' schools became too great to ignore at home. Who gets to say? Who says? What is a proper education for a child? Who gets to say that? Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. Welcome in to Making the Leap. Glad to have you along today. Thanks a lot for your five-star reviews and your written reviews at Spotify and Apple iTunes, keeping this conversation in front of people is the key we're so grateful for your support and uh, letting us know your thoughts and what's on your mind you can shoot us an email uh you can tweet at us you can put go up on uh, facebook and instagram uh we've got a great conversation for you today this is one we're going to dive into that's heavy i'm going to warn you strap on your thinking helmet because <laughs> this is a heavy lift uh what is what in the world is classical christian education we have doc, uh, not doctor but uh, gene oxher gene but she'll make you feel like she's a doctor gene oxher is the uh, dean of faculty and curriculum at a place called faith christian academy um this was a conversation that we stumbled into because of someone that we knew as we were talking about putting anna and a, our daughter into a christian school this concept of classical christian education was I mean I'll be honest like, whoa but right. we, we felt it was worth having a discussion about no it's important I, I mean, we've talked previously multiple times about how several years ago when I started thinking should I pull the kids out of school should I not and my sister is a she homeschools and she has an eight-year-old and a six almost six-year-old and um she the classical education piece the classical Christian education piece when she would send me the curriculum the layouts the different and there's a million different places you can find curriculum but she would send them to me and I would look at the text that they would use and the writings and my jaw would drop because I mean I'm a language art former language arts teacher and I would look at this and think no, you've got to be kidding me there is no way but I almost think you know as I look at things now having had the you know the um, the benefit of perspective a little bit, I, you know, I should have been thinking bigger in, in different ways, the concepts of the text that they were using, yep. the things that they can do and not limiting them and, and taking it, taking education just, I, I guess, down a different road or a different path. It's, it is different. It's hard. It's a hard it's thing to wrap hard, your mind around. Well, it's, it's actually demanding. I oh, mean, yeah. well, let's just be honest. It's <laughs> much more demanding. I, yeah. I, I'll be honest. I'm just, again, I like to be honest about this because if I had it to do all over again, um, we wouldn't have done it the way we've done it. We've said that a few times, but it, it's going to require so much more work. It just is. It's a heavier lift. It's so easy to get the kids dressed really fundamentally, get them dressed, pack their lunch, put them on the bus and see them in the afternoon. That is, it's a far easier way to do it than what you're about to hear today. Right. Right. It just is. And, and I don't know I that I'm made of the, than... I don't know that I'm made of the stuff that I could have done it. Uh, probably not. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm still not. Right. And right. I am biased and bigoted against uh, this once upon a time because I thought to myself, well, that's, that's nutball. That's radical. That's intensive. Uh, the kids don't need that. Uh, today I now see the fundamental importance of it in a way I just didn't used to. I, I don't know with time and age and um, I've kind of gotten over that keeping up with the Joneses attitude. Now mm -hmm. I see, Oh, well, well, no, these are people that are saving their kids. Right. Whereas I was content to just kind of go, go the status yeah. quo. Well, and I think it, part of that is the culture too, that like that mom culture, you know, get the kids on the bus and then I'm going to run to Starbucks and I'm going to get my shopping done. And I was doing the things I wanted to do as a mom to take care of our family. But I, I easily fed right on into that. You yep. drive the minivan up the road and meet my friend and, you know, and I'm going to make dinner and I'm going to grocery shop and I'm going to be there for the sports and I'm going to be there to, you know, read to them at night and we're going to do these things. But it's, it is a shift in, in thinking all of it is a shift, not just this concept of classical Christian education, but this idea that, that there is a biblical worldview to adapt that needs to filter out to everything, not just school, but everything. <laughs> And it's, it's different. It's, it's different. And it's a, it's a, like you said, I, you use the term, but it's a heavy lift. Yeah, for sure. 
We are speaking today with Jean Aksher, the Dean of Faculty and Curriculum Development with Faith Christian Academy located in Kansas City area. And Jean, thank you so much for coming on today with the two of us to talk. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been a real, I, I feel like I have been hearing your name for months and months, literally probably almost over about a year now, um, because as I think I, when I spoke with you earlier, we had been looking around once we knew we were coming to Kansas City, we had been looking around, figuring out what we wanted to do for our daughter. And you were a name that kept coming up for me with a friend of mine that I that used to teach with you, and she mm -hmm. kept saying, you have to talk with her, you have to talk with her. Uh -oh. And so in doing that, I was really looking hard at Faith Christian Academy to just get some information and kind of what we're doing here today, just give parents more information because your school is, and we'll get to this a little bit later, it's a little bit different than mm -hmm. um, some of the other ones that we've looked at. And it really wasn't even an option for us back in August, only because of the wait list that was existing, not just for you, but for um, so many other places around. So um, right. we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, so I'm just really glad today for this opportunity. Yeah, let's start with a question about the waitlist, Gene. Uh, Faith Christian Academy, if you could kind of talk about your school and why the waitlist? You must be doing something right. Oh, well, I, I sure hope so. And I, I, think, I think we are. Um, it's, uh, it's a unique school because it's what we might call a blended model or a university model school. It's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday on campus and Tuesday, Thursday at home. Uh, with uh, direction from the school on what to study on Tuesday and Thursday under the guidance of the parents. And that's true for us, K-12. Okay. So, yeah. Fascinating. Tuesday, Thursday at home with guided instruction for the parents. Is that by, dis if I may be vulgar for a second and ask the uh, money question, is that a budgetary issue or is that a strategic <laughs> decision to involve parents on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Oh, no, it was definitely strategic. Um, we feel like we have the advantage in that uh, because everyone knows that the, the children who are educated the best come from homes whose parents are involved. They've mm. been reading with them or they study with them or they, they uh, you know, quiz them. They help them with their assignments. They review their work, those kind of things. So for us to be intentional about um, having parents not only just on board to say, yeah, I want my kid to have a, a Christian education, but I'm also really willing to be part of their overall development for the next 12 years is to our advantage. How long have you been doing this, Jean? How, how old is Faith Christian Academy? Well, we'll celebrate our 20th year this oh, year. Wow. And I personally um, have been involved for, this will be my 19th. Uh, so they started with a high school, and I came in uh, the second year when they began the, what we call the grammar school, which is the elementary. Okay. So, and you have had, a, can you share a little bit about your background prior to you coming on board with Faith Christian? Um, because I know you yeah. and your husband both have had a little bit of a, a dive into different realms of the education world. Yeah, yeah, I feel like, like if I've that's been, a way to say it. <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been uh, everywhere really. So I graduated with um, a degree in elementary education, and I when I graduated at semester, I took over um, at a parochial school, okay. teaching a fifth sixth split. And then my husband and I both got jobs with the North Kansas City School District, and he um, ended up working all the way through 32-plus years wow. as, as an elementary PE teacher. Okay. And I stuck around in the classroom for about two years until we started our, our uh, family. And then when my oldest was ready for school, I wasn't ready to send her to school. Mm -hmm. I, I just... I'd, I just felt uncomfortable about sending my five-year-old to a public school, even though we had purposely found a home in an area that we thought, you know, the schools would be quote unquote good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was, I was uncomfortable because I felt like she was too young to be, you know, 
sent away. So it wasn't (laughs) at that point, if I may interrupt, it it wasn't Mm -hmm. at um, that point in your life. I don't know how long ago that was when you talk about sending your oldest off to school for the first time, but um, it was not concern over curriculum at that point in your life. It was just about kind of a maturity. Well, it was a little bit of both. And the reason I bring up the maturity was because I I didn't think she had, um, she didn't have the ability at her age to discern truth from error. Mm -hmm. And having um, been in the public school and having my husband come home every day (laughs) telling us, you know, more and more stories, I became increasingly uncomfortable with that prospect. So it was... We oh, said, no, I didn't mean, hey, I'm sorry, I'm totally interrupting, but no. that's just, uh, heart, that's heartbreaking to me because that, you know, we're, we keep talking about this move that parents are making now in the last couple of years, but we're talking, I mean, you're speaking from- How long ago, Jean? A while ago. Right, right. Yeah, my my oldest is, uh, if she listens, I'll probably get this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think she's 33. Okay. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't mean to make a big deal about this, but no, this is, I mean, what it speaks to is your prescience. I mean, you, you saw something that it took us, I mean, well, Christine went through, uh, you know, training to be a teacher. Right. We, we raised three kids and we just for the first year put our youngest child into Christian education. So um, yeah. this is something we're just coming around to and you saw easily 20 plus years ago. What did yeah. we, what were we yeah. missing that you saw so early? <laughs> Well, I, you know, I don't know. Um, some of it had to do with um, the way discipline was going okay. in, in schools. Some of it had to do with the quality of teachers that I personally had worked with okay. or that my husband was working with. Um, uh, the things that would go on in the classroom that were just kind of shocking to me as far as teacher attitude or okay. the way that we dealt with kids. So... Those kind of things. Were we so just not it, paying it, attention? I, I This is fascinating <laughs> that it just, this stu- this subject of kind of the radicalization of public school has, has really only been a discussion in the last two to five years with sort of an outlier story mm-hmm. that becomes something splashy on cable news. But uh, the mm-hmm. COVID era, critical race theory, uh, gender mm-hmm. stuff, that's really j- just been in the last few years. But... Um, you're here to say oh. no, no, no. You saw it a long time oh, I ago. Think it was a while oh. ago. Oh, it's it's been being set up. Um, I would say since probably the mid 1850s, oh, wow. and coming in with um, John Dewey and progressivism, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we talk about prayer being taken out of school, but that that's just a tiny piece of what all that means. So no longer does the teacher have to be virtuous. The teacher just just has to have a method, and as long as she can apply a method, then her her character or the character that that she's trying to, you know, and this is what we're seeing now with teachers in the classroom. We character doesn't matter, um, just the content matters, and the the character of the teacher can be really completely anti Christ, anti Christian. Um, but back when my kids were young, we weren't seeing that so mm-hmm. much, you know, right. but we were seeing just a shift in, um, or m- maybe it wasn't a shift. It was just once we got into it, it's like working in the kitchen. Sure. Oh, I, I see what's going see into it. the, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's but, going but into I, the yes. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you at all. I promise. But I, uh, here I am as a product of, um, the, this, in fact, I think the school district that you just mentioned, your husband, uh, taught in for 30 years. I, I'm a product of that school district. And I can honestly sit here and tell you, uh, maybe it just didn't absorb because I it wasn't a great student, but I, <laughs> I, I don't remember, I don't earnestly remember feeling like I was exposed to the nutball stuff I'm hearing about and reading about now, even in the nineties, eighties and nineties, am I, am I misremembering it? No, no, no. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that those were the things that were going on. Um, but I think just the prep for that was beginning to happen. And, and like I said, for me personally, it was, um, my, my own daughter and then hearing the discipline stories and knowing the quality of the teachers that I personally had taught with um, and the way that they dealt with students. But that makes sense to me because I know also just through teaching, I, I, you know, as I guess this was about 20 plus years ago when I did start teaching, 
um, it, it did change in just in the eight or nine years that I was in the classroom, how I started and how I finished, there was a difference 100%. Mm-hmm. And I would be, I remember sitting in a professional development, um, situations mm-hmm. thinking this, <laughs> this feels a little off and I'm going to hope that I can just teach my subject and not have mm-hmm. to incorporate what they are telling me I'm going to have to incorporate. I'm going to try to just fly under the radar. And I, you know, yeah. I say it often. I, I think I was young and I was naive. I didn't have kids at the time and I didn't mm-hmm. really see what was happening. But I have heard, and at, just in my reading, just on things with, with biblical worldview, with, you know, just kingdom education, understanding, having that background of how education has shifted, like you said, since the 1800s and how, what it was designed for <laughs> what it has become yeah. and removing parents, removing the church, removing those things from mm-hmm. it to have really shifted. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely, I can see it, but I, you know, like Chris said, I don't remember that growing up, but I, when right. I really do think back, I, I have definitely places where I thought this, this doesn't feel correct to me, but I was naive and did not did not grasp, I think. So, you know, I think it's important for teachers as they're entering their jobs to really think about their beliefs and their viewpoints and, and Mm -hmm. how hard that has to be. 20 years though. I mean, that's 20 years. I, I, (laughs) you know, that's, that's a little, little, just just a little shy of half my life. Faith Christian Academy has been around and um, I can't, I know this isn't your intention. I don't mean to make this about me or us, but <laughs> but Gene, what's just so true is that tells me that there was a need, and there were some people that saw it as clearly as you did two decades ago. Um, are you sort of? I don't know. What's your take on the fact that it seems like now, for the first time, at least in modern American history, people are waking to this. I suppose you're happy about it, but do, oh, do you have a oh, feeling of yeah. welcome to the party? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. I I wonder what took people so long. Sure. I you know, it's stunning to me that that we've let this go. And the reason that that we do is because we don't know any different. Mm-hmm. You know, we we don't have an experience with anything other than what we were raised with in public school and we don't see where it went wrong or um what it was intended for. We just go with the flow. And they're really good at marketing. Yes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's always something new and something exciting and something different. And and then uh, they slap an award on something and say, well, we're, we've gotten this award or or one of the best schools in the Northland or, or, you know, whatever it is. And so they've convinced us all that what what is happening there is good, but... Um, I have a lot of opinions. <laughs> That's well, why you're here. Too. That's okay. <laughs> classical. That's okay. What is classical <laughs> Christian education? How do you define that for someone that hears that and doesn't know what it means? Well, that's that's big. Can I back up just a second? Sure. So my kids. Then I ho- I ended up. What I intended on uh, was a one year stint as a homeschool mom, and it uh, we we went for twelve or thirteen. Uh-huh. Um, and so I had three kids. They were they all homeschooled. My oldest went all the way through, and I do think she's thirty five now that I think about <laughs> it. Um, but, you know, I when when she got old enough to go to college, then I I took a job at Faith Christian Academy. Okay. Then in that, I I taught five years of kindergarten, eight years of third grade, and I'm starting my something year at in seventh grade humanities. Okay. While I'm doing. The, the dean of curriculum and faculties. Wow. That is a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, may I, I'll follow up my other question with this one first as sort of a transition. So homeschooling, that's interesting. We've just, mm-hmm. we've explored that a little bit here on the show too. It's not really the focus of our show, uh, but mm-hmm. we're mindful that we know personally in our own lives, we have friends and people that do listen that are homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between what you're doing at Faith Christian Academy and homeschooling? Can you separate mm-hmm. those two and explain a difference, or is there one? Oh, sure, there is. Um, for one thing, like if you're homeschooling, you you're making all your own calls. You know, you're setting out what curriculum you want to use for each child, and typically. Um, moms who have multiple kids are thinking, how can I integrate as much as possible so that mm-hmm. we have one science 
for all of the kids and right. one history for all the kids and one Bible and those kind of things. Whereas um, at faith, first of all, it's classical, which um, it's, I think it's growing in the homeschool community. And then uh, it's being directed by the school and the individual teachers. So there's, there's not that flexibility as far as what is studied. You know, the, the parents don't, can't say, um, well, I I don't really want my kids to read this book. I want to mm-hmm. substitute it for that. Okay. Or, you know, so we're very intentional about what we're doing and why we're doing it and where we're heading in in every subject and every grade. So it's it's all prescribed. Okay. And so when you talk about classical um, Christian education, and I am, you know, I'm like I said, when I started this process here in Kansas City, that was when I first sat down with a a former teacher from your school who explained a little bit about what that would look like and what made it a little bit different from some of the other schools. Um, And then as I spoke with my sister, who actually homeschools, she was handing me curriculum that was, I guess, termed classical Christian education Mm -hmm. material as well. So for people that are not familiar that might that might be thinking, what, you know, now there's something else. I know it's hard to to boil it down to just some small little blurb, and I don't, I definitely don't want to do that. Um, but if you could explain a little bit about what, what that looks like, what is, what's different about that than what might be a, now I'll call it a traditional Christian school, because I, I do think there are differences happening across the board. Yeah, there are. Um, and you're right. It's a huge topic um, for me to try to say, oh, let me sum that up. In a yeah. It's not a one sentence, I know. <laughs> it kind of makes, yeah, it kind of makes me sweat. But, um, yeah, so I, I would say, in essence, um, and we may want to unpack this, but sure. uh, a classical Christian education is, it's based on um, historic education that started way back in ancient Greece and Rome and then was acknowledged and, and carried on by the church fathers. So it's not new, it's old. And when we try to learn about it, we're trying to learn history and trying to uncover what has been done. Um, and it was based on the seven liberal arts as a way to develop develop intellectual virtue in its students. Okay. But didn't it wasn't limited to just intellectual virtue. It also uh, included um, physical and moral virtue. So ultimately, it's about who the student will become as opposed to what they will become, which is kind of what uh, the progressives brought in in the 1850s. And that is a statement that when you and I first spoke a few weeks ago about that, the who you are versus what you will be, that was such mm-hmm. a <laughs> a mind-blowing, mm-hmm. I mean, I sat with that <laughs> for quite some time, yeah. just the yeah. idea, thinking about how, you know, just because I think as parents in general, we should always be reflecting on you know, what we're doing, how we're speaking to our kids, what we're saying, what messages we're conveying. And I, you know, I really thought hard about that idea of what are you going to be when you grow up versus who do you want to be? Who do you want to, you know, project to the rest of the world? And that was... And, and I don't want to put you at odds, Jean, with um, Christ- Christian education that's maybe not considered in the vein of what classical. you just described, mm-hmm. classical, but I, I am interested in the difference. I, I'm not saying one is better or worse or, or, or mm-hmm. meaning to uh, in any way make it contentious. It's just interesting to me that uh, is, is there an analytical component to it or philosophical component to it that maybe other Christian schools lack? Because I, I would like to think, I'd like to think, uh, maybe this is false, that that most Christian schools would say, well, we too value uh, rearing someone up in their individual virtuehood, and um, and uh, it, it's not it's not an academic exercise, but rather a character building exercise. I, I would think that a lot of Christian schools would would say they feel that that's what they're doing, but maybe there's a difference. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I I have limited experience with just the generic Christian school, mm-hmm. but um, I would say that um, from my limited perspective, 
there's very often um, an integration of modern or progressive public whatever education into a Christian school. Mm -hmm. So they'll use similar texts or um, similar um, a similar pedagogy or mm -hmm. a, a method of instruction. Yep. Um, they'll have very similar classes. They'll take the same types of tests. Uh, the, the teacher teaches in the same general way. Uh, the assignments look very much the same. Um, we get we got to make sure that we've got a cheerleader and a football team and, uh, you know, those kind of things. And then there's the integration of the Bible in that in that school at some level, whether it's chapel or Bible classes or, um, you know, all of the above. Mm -hmm. How about the this this conversation makes me really back up. Now I'm going to take like a <laughs> telescope from space kind of back up and okay. ask in the universe of the way we think about educating kids. Why did we ever get to a place where it was thought that we needed a classroom at all. Why classical Christian education? Why Christian school? Why public school? Why school? Why a one-room schoolhouse on a farm in a community? My great-grandmother was a one-room schoolhouse teacher with a bell on her desk uh, in, in rural Missouri. And, and that was, you know, back in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Why? I mean, if, if kind of, it seems to me like you're coming back to the, the best education was the education that you gave your kids in the home. And how, how did we get to this place? And is that where we should go back to? Just asking as a philosophical matter. Yeah. Um, well, I think there are some limits to uh, just the, the, the mom in the home. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about homeschooling at this point. I'm thinking about historic, mm -hmm. historically. Sure. Sure. Um, just the idea that... Um, we are developed in in a community and in a culture, and that was the mandate of uh, the Bible to you know to say that fathers raise your children in the enculturation or in the paideia of the Lord. So you would take on an entire culture in an education or in a in a community that would educate their kids to be a certain way, a certain kind of people. Right, we're peculiar people. We're we're this way, mm -hmm. and you know we see that in the ancient Jewish culture, where it was prescriptive of their clothing and their food and their feasts and their festivals, and all these things were intended to make them into a certain kind of people who believed a certain kind of thing about God and and themselves. So I think that's best done in community. Um, so thinking about, well, everybody just go home and and teach something like this at home is okay. But we're we're going to get the benefits of the who we are and the development of character and virtue in community, where we have to rub against other people, where we have to learn how to to be good and kind. And virtuous, and um, you know, we had to put those things into practice in a in a community that says we all believe this. And I'm asking a big question here, Gene. But is do you? I don't. I just don't know my history. Public education in this country then was was it conceptually rooted in what you're describing? Once upon a time, was there a consensus? Let's let's build a community by putting kids all together in a schoolhouse. Is that yeah, was that originally the yeah. jump on, jumping off point? Well, uh, this if I if I could study something in depth, um, if I had all the time in the world, I would go back and study educational history. Yeah, but um, I I don't know. I mean, it's my assumption that in the time of the Puritans and the early colonial days, that this was the kind of education they were giving their children. It was the the type of education that came from way back when in the ancient times and that the, the church fathers had been educated in and that um, they were then um, carrying on. But then when things began to change and we, so 
America looked at or someone brought in this idea of what the the Prussian German education was like. Mm -hmm. And it became, um, it collapsed into, um, uh, lost on a word here, um, Mm, career education basically mm-hmm. they, they wanted to create workers for the marketplace vocations um, yes right vocational training good so so that we're saying um all right so germany has this issue we want our our kids to be the certain way we're shifting away from this idea of intellectual virtue and learning how to think um and we're going to take that and move it away, get that out of the way, and let's just be really practical. Let's make sure our kids can read and write and do some basic math okay. and train them in some sort of career mode. Just start them early and thinking about what they want to be or we'll assign them a track. Mm-hmm. And so that, that idea came over into the United States and... It was new and exciting and seemed maybe even easier. Right. Uh, it definitely sounds practical. easier. <laughs> yeah. And by the far way, may I just may I point to something right. maybe modern day by comparison? Maybe this is not analogous. Here's yeah. my here's my guess. Is the closest thing that we have to it today perhaps a community of maybe Mennonites or Amish? Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> Is that, is that, yeah, do you know what I'm saying in terms of a, yeah. well, I just, I, what I mean is um, a people that come up as a culture and stay focused on their culture. One, culture, right. uh-huh. one yeah. set of views, one idea. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. just offering that as a, as a thought because it struck me as you were describing that, that notion of being a culture and, and there mm-hmm. being something more steeped as a, co- not a collective a in the negative sense, but right. in a, yeah, mm-hmm. there was a buy-in mm-hmm. that everybody shared, but anyway. Right. And, and, you know, we still do that, that, and that's what's concerning to parents now is that they're seeing the culture, the 100%. school culture. Yes. Yeah. Right. So that now they're saying, oh, I see what we're trying to create here in my kid. You know, we're yeah. trying to get rid of this idea of absolute truth where we're saying, you know, there's no such thing as right or wrong. You can be whatever you want to be, including, you know, and then just draw a blank. You sure. Know? Yeah. Um, so, and they, and students feel that pressure. When I talk to kids who've come out of the public school, the, the pressure to conform to that is very intense because yes. that's the community that is, that's being said, this is good and if you want to belong in this community you'll have to accept these kind of values and traditions and feasts and clothing and you know all those kind of things so we're saying no no we don't want to be part of those that community we want to be a separate people and our ultimate aim is not the you know the person that you want to grow up to be but who did god create you to be and how can we form that in you um, so that you are a genuine reflection of who God created you to be ultimately, not as a worker, but as a person? I think that is such a different mindset for parents to get. I know it is for me. I, I'm, I mean, we have a 17-year-old and a 16-year-old and you know, in my head, I'm thinking, what are your goals? What are your plans? What are you going to do? But I, you know, I really, in the last few years too, have been thinking, okay, but I also want a, I want a good person. I want a godly person leaving Mm -hmm. my house and Mm -hmm. whatever that job may be Mm -hmm. is secondary to the rest. But is that, is that what you're saying, Gene, that um, graduates of faith Christian Academy, um, you know, when they're seniors, when they're done and they're 17, 18 years of age, there is no, what are you going to go be conversation? It's it's just sort of an assessment um, of the person. Well, uh, there's, I wouldn't say that there's no discussion of that, but we, we do ask our teachers not to say it. What so do you want to be maybe, when you grow maybe up? At, right. Maybe mm-hmm. at some point that discussion starts to come in, in the junior senior level mark, mm-hmm. but we don't, we don't have those, you know, days at school where, 
little Johnny comes dressed as a doctor because he <laughs> wants to be a doctor and things like that. No we, career we fairs. <laughs> right. Well, there is, but it's for the high school kids. And we bring in parents from the community, uh, Christian parents from the community, and they talk to the kids about, you know, what their job is like. But okay. that's much later. We don't we don't begin there. We don't start in kindergarten saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, it's a conversation that we don't have. And it really, it, it is, I just, it really is a different mindset. All of this has been a different, you know, it's just reframing a lot of things and rethinking things and, you know, taking what has been accepted and normal and regular. And because yeah, everything feels yeah. so abnormal, right, I, I'm, right. you know, when I talked to you, I was like, well, why not? Why not switch it to that point of view? Because, or that mm -hmm. idea or that outlook, because yes, what is normal now does not feel normal. So who, right. Yes, yeah. let's start well, thinking differently. Yeah, and some of it uh, is is stemmed in the idea, and this is all part of the the liberal arts to think what is a good life. So we think, what's a good man? Mm -hmm. And this is how we teach at FCA: what's a good man, what's a good life, and what's a good society. So when we're thinking, what's a good life? At some point, this uh, society in general and the public school in particular. Um, have said a good life involves making lots of money. Mm -hmm. A good life is a life that ha that if you're going to be anybody important, and you better be, you better make lots of money. And um, so we we try to back out of that completely. And the first, the easiest thing to do is to stop saying what do you want to be, sure, and, and saying who you want to be. So we try, we're trying to redefine the idea of the good life and the good man and the good society, and not redefine it, but rightly define it. You know, if if we thought about asking that, what do you want to be? Quite as as I think about this myself, you would never say to someone in fifth grade, "Who do you want to marry? Who do you want to spend yeah. the rest of your life with?" We wouldn't say that's <laughs> absurd. Um, yeah. But yet, for some reason, we do feel comfortable asking a fifth grader, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which is just, yeah. as, it really is They're just ten. as absurd, actually. <laughs> They're ten. They don't yeah. know. Yeah. Right. You right. know. And there's adults and, that and, don't know. So, Right. And when you when you look at the, the lives of people right now who've graduated in the last 10, 15 years, how many of them are working in their, in their degree field? Mm -hmm. I mean, th it's becoming less and less. The, right. People are switching jobs all the time. So just the idea of, oh, I have to make a decision on what, are, that's so much pressure. I mean, when you're 17, 18, and you're trying to decide what your gifts are for, you know. What, what about college? Uh, classical Christian education does encourage higher education or not necessarily? <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. And we would love it if all of our students went to a Christian liberal arts college to mm. uh, put a, the cherry on the top of their education <laughs> it, it feels like we we just get them to the point where they're ready to start learning deeply because ultimately a liberal arts education was directed towards philosophy and theology and um so they they've got all the tools they need um having studied the liberal arts and then they should go on to something higher and and you know more intellectually Demanding. Give us the name of some people are listening right now, and they want. Oh, what, what, what? Which college would you recommend? Then where should they go? Do you have names? Oh my! Oh my goodness! Well, uh, I can think of a couple off the top of my head, but I might want to direct them to the. Um, let's see. There's a test called CLT, CLT. Classical Learning Test. Okay. And they've got. Uh, a website and podcasts and articles and things like okay. that. But there it's a different, it's, it's an alternative to the SAT ACT and it's directed specifically towards Christian liberal, liberal arts colleges okay. and students who, who end up taking that kind of a test can get scholarships for those exact kind of colleges. Oh, that's interesting. Are they readily available nationwide or are they unique to a certain region? Yes. No, they're, there are, I think they've got over a hundred colleges um, that are now participating in the CLT. The CLT is only a few years old. Okay. A few years old. So, um, 
Yeah, there are lots of them. Most of them are, are small. Sure. And they're, you know, they're not going to have the appeal that MU might have. Right. But um, it all depends on, on what you want. Can, can a kid come out of a traditional K through 12 public education and make their way into something like that? Or does like is that, is that not? Yes. They could. Yes, they can. Will it be difficult? Yes, it will. Yeah. <laughs> is it worth it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, you know, when you talk about the difficulty, yeah. that was one thing that as I sat and I was looking at the curriculum for Faith Christian, and I was looking at our daughter, who I, you know, I, she's very smart, but had just come mm-hmm. off of, you know, a year and a half of what I consider to be egregious um, mm-hmm. schooling and for in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in front of a computer, um, struggling with math, uh, not having the she had the ability, but she had not had practice at Mm -hmm. sitting and reading for an extended amount of time or writing because everything Mm -hmm. was on the computer and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So I knew as I, as I talked to people specifically about faith Christian, that it, it, for us at the time, just where she was, I thought we're not, I'm I'm not going to do that. It would have been too intense. Right. It would have been too much. That's not to put her down, but she was not maybe the rigor of that was maybe going to be more than she could handle. We felt, and that's. I wanted to ask you, like, do you do you do you define yours or do you label your school as rigorous? Is that a word that you like to use or want to use, or do you try to shy away from that? Because I don't think you're that means bad. Else? No, it doesn't. I don't but think I rigorous think means it bad. Can it just yeah. depends? I think on how yeah, it's being used. I, right, and rigor doesn't necessarily mean much, but it we we want to think of it as. Um, so we want to go deep, not necessarily right. wide. Right. Um, and so I would say that, yeah, FCA is, is rigorous, but it's not exclusive. Okay. We do have an entrance exam like every other school does. And what we're beginning to find is it was at first kids could test in no matter where they were coming from. And it kind of seemed ridiculous to be giving an entrance test. Mm -hmm. And then as the years went, we started noticing that kids were about a year behind. And after COVID, kids are are testing in two years below what they um, had, you know, so they're they're, finishing fourth grade testing for us at a second grade level. And it's not because... It's not because we've changed anything. Sure. It's because of what's been happening in the public school. So now we get kids who come in and test and they've never held a pencil before. And this is the truth. <laughs> I can't even. They've that just, never held a right. pencil. I don't even they've, understand that. Yeah. They don't know how to tell time. Mm-hmm. They've never read a chapter book. <sighs> they, you know, they, they can't. So um, what we're doing to our kids in in these school settings is we're intentionally making them illiterate. Mm-hmm. They, if they, they can't read cursive. They've right. never been, you know, so, Oh, well, now we can't read any of the founding documents. Oh, that used to drive my we dad don't. crazy. <laughs> he would just get we so don't. mad. <laughs> How are you yeah, going to read we, anything? Yeah. Right. We tap on a screen, which develops a completely different part of the brain than writing does. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing them a, great disservice but it's it's an education of ease and simplicity and we want to make sure that the kids are happy, happy. <laughs> i knew what you're gonna right. say yep always yeah. happy yep i yeah. and i i'm not to turn this into a counseling session <laughs> but as we sit here and talk i think to myself oh boy have we screwed our boys up we've we've screwed our boys up terribly we've barely saved our daughter but our boys are lost I truly, that's what I'm thinking to myself right now as I sit here, it's you know. It's hard. It really oh, is. Sorry. Oh, I, no. It's... I yeah, no. Everyone, you know, everyone is doing the best they can with what they have in front of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I, Which is true. we look back, yeah, we look back on, uh, on our own family and we see the mistakes that we made and we say, doggone it, if I would have this or that. But at the time we were doing, you know, everything that we thought would be right for them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I swear to you, though, I, 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 I so envy the fact that you were so clear eyed about it so long ago. Uh, it felt like an mm-hmm. anvil hit me in the head anyway. I'll mm-hmm. speak for myself mm-hmm. just just a couple of years ago. Uh, well, not that I didn't notice things that irked me, but it was like a sledgehammer two years mm-hmm. ago finally woke me mm-hmm. up. Uh, I regret yeah, that it didn't happen earlier. 
You know, I think it was it was really God's grace of of all the things that could have come out of COVID mm-hmm. for for parents to have an eye in the classroom or to see how far uh, their students were getting behind. Um, really turned out to be an eye-opening event for a lot of families that will turn out for the good, and not only for them individually, but for the nation as a whole. I agree. I I think about this a lot because Chris and I have talked about this. He's talked about it on his other on his own radio show that he does, and we've talked about it as parents. But just sitting for such a a while with resentment about what we felt like we were forced mm-hmm. to do, when now I'm I'm really starting to turn my brain and heart more towards, no, this gave us an opportunity to choose to do something that maybe we wouldn't have if we hadn't picked up and moved our kids halfway across the country, if we hadn't Mm -hmm. enrolled just one of our children in Christian education and how that is filtering out into, you know, the rest of how we're kind of functioning and and governing our lives. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm grateful really for that. Mm -hmm. And I hope that as parents listen you know, I, I don't want them sitting like, you know, where I think Chris will mm-hmm. hang up the phone and be like, what did we do? I don't want, yeah. I don't want that. But I, I do want parents to just think we have an opportunity in front of us mm-hmm. to really make mm-hmm. great decisions going forward. And young parents, parents that are just mm-hmm. starting, I, I think how, what an amazing time right now to be Oh, I, I, I see young uh, parents, Gene. I, I see young parents at church or something, or little toddlers. I remember being that. At, Christine and I talk about it. It feels like yesterday we were toddling around with the kids. <laughs> I, now I want to run up to them and grab them and go, don't do it. Don't do what <laughs> yep, we yep, did. Don't yep. do it. I feel like a yep. nut, like I'm evangelical about it now. I, I never even yep. thought about it once upon a time, you know. Yeah, I I agree. I It's it's a it's a battle, um, and it's it's a battle for the soul's of our students and uh, for their well-being. It's a battle for the the heart of our nation. And I don't think we can sit back anymore no. and say, um, hey, we're Christians, but we, you know, we're going to go ahead with this or we're going to let our kids be exposed to this or that. You know, the stakes are getting higher and higher right. at a younger and younger age. It is. Yes, that's so true. And so I, I agree with you also that COVID is, uh, it's almost providential. It, it feels almost mm-hmm. like uh, God just kind of turned everything upside down and shook us for a minute just to remind us <laughs> yeah. where, where our priorities should right. lie and what we weren't paying charge, attention right. to. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was sort of a yeah, gift in its own hey, way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, guys. That's if right. you can see this, yeah. let me give you a video into the classroom now. Look, right, right. Which is, you know, I I do. I just think it's it's just something that we've you know just kind of had to work on, you know, with parents. And then of course, it, it is overwhelming though, regardless, because now if when once you're ready to start making that switch, now you're thinking about finances. You're thinking about oh, wow. what your day looks like. You're thinking about your sacrifices. You're thinking about all these things. And it just, it becomes a lot. So I'm, I'm grateful that there's so many opportunities yeah. around, you know, that exist yeah. like this. This yeah. has been enlightening. I, I, um, I feel smarter having listened to the interview <laughs> and having this conversation. I, if, if people want to know more, um, I, I know people will be listening to this in lots of different places that aren't in your backyard, but uh, what would you mm-hmm. recommend to somebody that thinks, oh, I, I want to go where she's talking about? I want to take that kind of deep dive. What would you recommend that they do? Uh, as far as finding a classical school? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Um, well, they might start with the Association for Classical Christian Schools, the okay. ACCS. Okay. And then there's a map on their website of all the classical Christian schools that are affiliated or accredited by the ACCS. So that's one place to start. As far as getting your mind around um, what classical Christian education is, there's and maybe you've talked about this already on your podcast, but The Battle for the American Mind by Pete Hegseth. Mm-hmm. Yes, just had him on, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great place to start. Okay. Um, it's foundational and easy reading, but very informative. If okay. they want something heavier and um, more intense, very in-depth, uh, I would recommend The Liberal Arts Tradition by Kevin Clark and Ravi Jane. Okay. And then there are a number of websites that, like the Society for Classical Learning, 
or the Searcy Institute uh, that have all kinds of information about classical Christian education. I think it's so important just to know the just some of the differences. I know I initially contacted you about just discussing just the idea of kingdom education because that was my mm-hmm. that was my first like mind blown concept and just and again more in conversation because I know what my sister is doing with her children in homeschool and having a little familiarity with classical education styles. Um, I just mm-hmm. I really do. I know this didn't quite go <laughs> in the direction that I thought maybe we were going to talk about, but I think that's what makes these kinds of conversations so good is because I, I, mm-hmm. I just think exposing people to different ideas like this that are still based yeah. in God's truth are critical yeah. to yeah. what we do next. Well, what we're learning is Christian education. It's not, it's not just this uh, public school or Christian school. It's, it's far more nuanced than mm. I think, um, certainly that I knew. I didn't know. I, I'm yeah. learning there are levels, subterranean <laughs> levels of thought that go into this, yeah. and should be, yeah. by the way. There should be. Gene yeah. yeah. Oxher, Dean of uh, Faculty and Curriculum at Faith Christian Academy. What I, You know what? I am certain that we're going to have you back to tap into your brain again, but thank you for this uh, conversation. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. It's been delightful. Great. I really, I'm, I don't know. I think I'll just smile ear to ear today, so we, we really <laughs> do. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Jean. Uh-huh. I'm so grateful to have that opportunity to talk. All, all these people that we've been talking to have just been eye-opening and mind-blowing and enlightening. Yep. I'm so learned a lot. I've, I don't know if anybody else listening to this show learns as much as I've learned just doing these interviews, but I've learned a lot. I didn't know how little I knew, frankly, about uh, education. It's well, and I know, and I well, like when I was back in Florida, a few, you know, I guess uh, like about a month ago learning some of these things and just thinking, how did I become a teacher and not know some of the background of how the educational system started? Like she said, just wanting to kind of dive into that a little bit as well. I think that's an important thing. But something that as she was talking, and we didn't talk about it in the interview, but talking about the um, community, the like-minded, raising, you know, having this idea of togetherness and truth. And I thought, how important is that right now culturally when we look around um, for example when that supreme court decision came down putting abortion discussions back to the states and i thought number one i thought thank goodness we're not in school right now as that happened because not for any all three of our kids specifically the older two but this is where i'm grateful too that we have made this decision to put our kids or to put our daughter in somewhere different and to pull our boys from where they were and to have them in a different church home, because I think those conversations that stem about concepts like abortion that need to be handled biblically, that need to be handled from a place of love and kindness. A lot of hostility being directed at traditional homes and people of faith right now. 100%. And to have that ability to, to know that should that have happened during the school year, we have now started setting ourselves up to be in places with our family where that conversation is not going, they're not going to be receiving the, they're not going to be at the end of hate speech and targets. And I, that is something I I do want parents to be thinking about as they look to whatever is next, because those are, you know, two years ago, a year ago, I can't even imagine what that would have looked like for all three of our kids. Keep your thoughts coming uh, for this show. Anything you want to know, any questions or thoughts you may have, suggestions for guests or subjects you think we ought to cover, keep us posted. Let us know. Um, We can be reached uh, via email, hello at makingtheleappodcast.com, Twitter uh, at making underscore the underscore leap, Facebook, Making the Leap Podcast, and Instagram at Making the Leap Podcast. And as always, feel free to share. We love when you go online, subscribe, leave a five-star review, share with anybody you think might be interested, um, and we will look forward to seeing you next time. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show, as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.